This is the house call. What's up, everybody? Welcome into an off-season edition of the Gridiron segment here at House Call Sports. I'm here with Joe and Rob. My name is Matt, but no one cares about us today, especially not Not. Joe and Rob. No one really cares about them anyway, because we have a very special guest here today. He writes daily for Barstool Sports, The Stool, one of the OG stoolies among three IMDb credits. He appears in HBO's Emmy-winning Red Sox documentary, Reverse of the Curse of Bambino. He is also the author of two books, Darkness to Dynasty, the first 40 years of the New England Patriots, as well as Six Rings, the Super Bowl history of the New England Patriots so far, both of which you can get on Amazon, the links of which will be in the description. And that was also the short intro. I could have went on for another hour introducing this guy. We just want to get done. We just want to get this episode done. And we could have done a whole episode introducing this man. But without further ado, please welcome Mr. Jerry Thornton to the show. Jerry, thank you so much for joining us, man. How's it going? Uh, no, please do go on. Let's let's hear more. <laughs> I wish my resume was like that. Like, we just make that be the hour. That would be great. No, I, I appreciate <laughs> you guys having me on. Thanks, House Call Boys. I think I think we're in for a for a fantastic ride. Absolutely, I love that. Too, I love that hoodie, man. I just realized that's the Mac Jones cigar hoodie right there, and that is a sick, sick hoodie. I might get myself one of them. Yeah, vintage it, now it, because he's all slimmed down. Yeah, as <laughs> if I haven't uh, declared my intention for him enough, and. I'm a, I'm a real romantic <laughs> when it comes to these things. Uh, I've been on Team Mac since, I'd say, probably November, maybe early December of 2020, when the Patriots went on a three-game losing streak, and suddenly this guy that was tearing it up in the SEC and leading the Alabama to a perfect record, I'm like, wait a minute, that guy's actually, like, within reach. And it was a bumpy ride getting there. The, you know, San Francisco moved up to three, and everyone declared they were going after – jones and uh the the way my life is um i the 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 pick comes in the 14th pick and there's been a trade and the patriots are sitting at 15 and says the jets pick is in and i ran around the house screaming we've got him we've got mac jones and and my my (laughs) guiling irish rose bless our heart says to me who are you yelling about what is this i don't (laughs) listen to a thing i've said this guy's name has been on my lips every hour since about december it's like oh yeah whatever and she went back to her phone the way she should have and uh so yeah and i I love a guy that had the body like this and man you know diced you up right as a sedentary like rapidly aging man makes me look almost lifelike when he takes his shirt off by comparison so uh, i love him for that oh yeah right. chubby well, boy hero will... right there <laughs> no doubt and we will we will get into mac jones for sure and we uh, a couple of us i know i might we, we might have a little bit of dissenting opinions on on uh on oh, yeah, you know, what's going on with mac jones because we are we are all patriots fans here so we're definitely going to dive deep into a lot of patriots stuff but first wanted to talk a little bit more a little bit more about you jerry since you asked us to you've also been doing stand-up comedy for a long time uh what got you into that and where's your next gig at yeah i um I was, you know, working kind of a dead end job and I I grew up liking comedy. It was always a way that I could just kind of, you know, I was maybe like a shy kid or whatever. But if worse comes to worse, I could sit in the fifth grade cafeteria and imitate like the George Carlin thing I had on an album or whatever, lift some joke that I'd seen on, you know, the Tonight Show or whatever. And, um, you know, I I never imagined really trying it, but I, I just had enough people in my life say, do you do comedy? You know, which I know it sounds like such a flex, but it it, it happened. People would say something and they'd go. God, that's laughing. 
So, but it just seemed like the most terrifying thing in the world. And and I went to an open mic show and it was kind of like the first time I went golfing. Like I saw how my friends golf and I said, well, I can be that bad. You know what I mean? These guys aren't all like, you know, striping 300 yard drives down the middle of the fairway. They're springing it into the woods. And I saw some open mic shows and I said, these guys aren't that funny. They're just up there doing it. And I got to the point where I, I was just more afraid of not trying it than of going up there and, as we say in comedy, I, I'm going to throw out the first uh, profane reference here, but the, the comic expression is, I, you know, I wasn't that afraid of getting up there and eating my own dick on stage. <laughs> <laughs> so, so coming into oh, this, man. we were like, we're, we're, we're an uncensored brand. We really kind of tell it how it is. And we we're like, should we kind of dial back the cursing? And I was like, okay, well, Jerry just saw her hit that off on the on a high <laughs> yeah. note. So it's like, all right, whatever. Well, at least um, the bar has been set, you know? I mean, he, he said George Carlin. He was talking about comedy. He should have known profanity was coming. George Carlin, man, after my own heart, bro. Class clown, all that stuff. I love George Carlin. George Carlin, I, the only thing I am upset about is I did not get to see him before he passed RIP, man. I love George Carlin's comedy. Yeah, stuff. and a guy that laid into his career, kind of oh, reinvented yeah. himself and still was genius some of the things he did in his last couple years on this earth were just are just brilliant and stand up to repeated viewing i'll say this i I like dirty comedy i love clean comedy eddie murphy yeah the (laughs) hardest i've ever laughed at a show in my life and this was pre-sitcom but he was already a nationally known headliner i i saw uh jerry seinfeld a catch a rising star in harvard square and i mean he was sitting I was right in the front row. He's sitting eight feet away from me, cried laughing. And there wasn't a thing that he said that he couldn't have said at a at an elementary school. You know what I mean? It was all his yeah. stuff. You know, where does the sock go in the dryer? I'd like to know. Why does the dog stick his head out of the window? He's like saying, <laughs> the dogs. And it was it was hilarious. I loved it. So, yeah, I, I just be funny. That's all I, I care about. Even if you want to. George Carlin worked in some preaching there a little bit, you know, it was a like bit. a lot of philosophy in there, but it was never without a punchline and a point and brilliant stuff that makes you think. I also like guys that don't make you think. Not Gallagher. <laughs> not Gallagher. Not, not <laughs> okay to not make me think and just be funny. So speaking of reinventing yourself, why the sports media world with how cutthroat that is? You got the Ian Rappaport, you got the Adam Schefters, that 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 whole world. If you say one inkling of something that's differentiating from someone else's opinion, uh, you get it's like arrows. You ever seen the Adesanya fight where it's just like <laughs> they are a um, they can be and there are exceptions. I mean, I, I get along really well with the people that I, I encounter. And that's mostly like if I'll, I'll go to like. Patriots training camp and hang out at practice or whatever. And so I know access to grind with any of them, but a lot of them that are drawn to that business tend to be by their nature, inherently kind of prickly. There's a lot of sensitivity there. As a matter of fact, like I, I was one of the few people in my two years that I was at WEI. So I, I had a day job. I was working for Barstool on the side. WEI hired me away full time. I, I left employment with the commonwealth of massachusetts was like the the sweetest gig in the world to go do that and i I loved it i was the one who like read the comments you know the the text line that comes up i worked with guys who immediately shut that screen off when they sat down okay i wasn't obsessed with it but if some guy says that joke sucked you're an idiot 
you know, I can't stand the sound of Thornton's voice. Why don't you fire him? Yeah, okay, bring it on. But there were some guys who couldn't look at it for a second without just crumbling. I'm like, what? It always puzzled me. Like, you've got a pretty sweet gig here. Like, you know, you're covering sports for a living. Why can't you handle yeah. a little bit of negativity? But, oh, yeah. you know, I guess they didn't, I don't know. It, they didn't grow up in the town where I grew up in Weymouth, where the, the guys who gave you the most ration of shit on a daily basis were the guys <laughs> doing the wedding party. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The best friends, Sounds right? right. <laughs> yeah, Sounds yeah, like you, Matt. Yeah, you can't work yeah, the bar school and be thin-skinned. Oh, no. You know, oh, I mean, I don't think you can... You can't be in the sports. You can't be. You can't be on here having strong opinions on sports. Wait, wait, wait! And, there, and, there, you know, there we go. Right up there. Yeah, you Matt can't, with you the can't Astros fans. <laughs> Man, oh I've Lord. been, I've been, I've been going at it with Houston Astros fans for for a while now here. Just in our comment I'm a, I'm a, section, for, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, terrible. Well, personally, I'm a, I'm a, I'm kind of a weird sports fan. I like the Yankees and the Patriots, and my my sports fandom's all messed up. But I mean, so uh, I, I go at it with you know Astros <laughs> fans all the time. So it's like you, if you. If you get offended by anything that people say in, in sports media, like you said, it's it you're not cut out for it. It's just yeah, not for you. I you got to be part of the journey. Like for instance, yeah, the early days of Barstool, and and for the record, I was the third writer that um, Portnoy brought on back when we were just wow. a newspaper, and he had two others, and they were great guys who just couldn't, brilliant writers too. They just couldn't keep up with the grind when we went to like a daily blog, and as we grew, we went from. Our entire audience were people that we knew we could identify. They commented. They were on. We had a message board back in the day. They would come to the parties, and, and you knew them. And then we started getting this hatred. And at first, it was really unsettling because I wasn't used to it. You know, I hadn't spent that kind of time really on, on the Internet. You know, I just kind <laughs> of a, a guy like I would be on Patriots message boards, but I, I just kind of posted it, you know, and then ghosted. I didn't really get to know the social life there. Well, anyway, when that came into Barstool and all of a sudden everything we did sucked and you guys are terrible and I hate you. And it really <laughs> took me a while to get into that whole thing that Reggie Jackson, a, a Yankee that I hated probably more than I hate soiling my pants, but I can respect <laughs> him back at what he brought to the table. Um, he said, they don't boo nobodies. So, yeah, I learned to just embrace it. I, I sit here today proudly with zero blocked Twitter followers. Hey, there it is. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. And there's plenty of people in media who pride themselves on how many that they block. And they they <sighs> sit there and they compare them. You know what I mean? Like you're talking flex. about a fish that you caught or a, a <laughs> golf flex. score that you just shot. Oh, yeah, really? I've got them up to 7,000. <laughs> okay, well. Why? I, I want to know who these people are. Like yeah. I, 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 right. I consider it like tagging a shark, you know, so you can tell where it's swimming <laughs> close to shore. Someone tells me that they can't stand me. I, all right, I want to hear from this guy because I want to know what what his glitch is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I've had a few of those. I know I've made. I've come out. I'm I'm the the let's cook up a whacked out uh, crazy ass uh, prediction here and see who comments on. I'm pretty sure I had a book written for me comparing me that I was it was the most Skip Bayless bullshit ass. Uh, prediction slash comments that I've ever heard. And why is this guy even on? It was literally, this guy wrote a book and I think it ended with, you should probably quit doing this. And like, they, they I think Rob screenshot it, put it in the chat and said, well, at least we're getting some feedback. Yeah. <laughs> Although I, yeah, will, I, I will defend you to say that uh, comparing you to Skip Bayless. Now that's crossing a line. 
That's you know what, what I mean? That's like, what we were saying. Right. In polite society, we still need to have some sort of rules. And that's yeah, that's yeah. really going going over. Yeah, that's almost a like bit. a that's like a that's like a sport man like a sport media slur right there. Like you're yeah. skip Bayless. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Like, you yeah, said Voldemort. To, to yeah, be yeah, fair, I did real. say that the Phoenix trade acquiring uh, Kevin Durant didn't move the needle for me at all because the guy's never healthy and he's not out there. And then he played four yeah. games for him before he got hurt and was out for three and a half weeks. So, I mean, at the time. <laughs> he's going he's to start talking about it again. We're, we'll I talk about it, on, uh, we'll like talk it. about it later, Joe. We'll, all right. All right. We'll we got an NBA segment Joe. recording later. It's fine. <laughs> Joe, you got a question for Jerry? Yes, I do. So when I was ordering this beautiful book, which is the cover on it's great. I'm super excited. I can't wait to read it. I got it in just for this episode. I didn't even know it existed. I was I want to read it. Super excited about it. I want I'm also going to order your Darkness to Dynasty, uh, the first 40 years of the Patriots as soon as I can uh, find it somewhere in stock that will get it here before like next year. Um, but I did <laughs> notice there was also a fifth rings, five, uh, a five rings book that had your name on it. And I'm curious because. I know it, it may not look like it may happen this year. And like I said, we'll get into that in a second. But, hey, might there be a Seven Rings book coming out if we win another one? Oh, you, your lips to God's ears. Yes. And the, the, <laughs> five, the five, five Rings came out in September of 2018. They made it obsolete in five months. <laughs> Suddenly I had the laser discs of literature. And, you know, by the way, first world problem to have, you yeah. know, like, like somewhere out there that might be like a Jets fan who in 1971 wrote a book called One Ring. And it's still as relevant today as the day it came <laughs> off, the, off the Gutenberg printing press. Um, but So, yeah, good, good problem. And the the, um, the publishing house, bless them, were kind enough to say, sure, OK, well, write another chat. I kind of rewrote the be the beginning, you know. It, which I wrote right after St. Patrick's Day of 2020 when uh, Tom Brady left me at 8.30 in the morning and uh, the world <laughs> fell apart. And I, I think my opening line oh, was not to give away the beginning of a book, but it was, this is exactly how I said the world would be if Tom Brady have, ever left the Patriots. <laughs> that was school awful. School shut down, businesses closed, thousands yeah. were dying in the streets and the economy Burning collapsed. at the stake. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, was, it was chaos, just as I always predicted. But we're going to get through this. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but hey, all I heard was you don't really need to buy fifth the five rings because it's all in here already. But seven rings is going to have a little another extra chapter on any of this one. But I got to wait for that one to come out. So Coming trust soon. me, when that book right. comes out, it will be in my cart. It will be on order and I will get it here as soon as possible. But I did want to ask you one thing, a little follow up question here. We did. Uh, we know you're a comedian. We've already touched on that. Do you have any shows coming up and where are you going to be at? Oh, yes. Uh, I'm going to be on Cape Cod on uh, uh, June the 17th at a, a great place. It, this is such a Cape Cod named place. I've had the pleasure of working there a few times. It's great. It's called uh, Skippy's at Pier 1. It's a you know the prototypical but awesome <laughs> Cape Cod seafood restaurant literally on a pier with like, you know, boats tied up to the to the dock. It's really great. And then um. In October 6th, I, I just booked a date for a place in Plymouth Center right, called the Spire Center, where I've seen bands play recently. Like, it's a, just a beautiful venue, and I'll be opening there for uh, Tony V, who's a Boston legend and has been for, like, easily one of the top comics to come out of this area in the last, like, 50 years. <laughs> so, yeah. As a matter of fact, he opened for Bill Burr 
at Fenway oh, last summer. Wow, oh, man. And I worked his next show after opening Fenway for Bill Byrne. I'm like, so it's me and you <laughs> at this, like, just little hole-in-the-wall comedy club. You cool with that? He said, oh, I, I, I love it. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm thrilled to be have comic, comedy back again. For a, oh, yeah. obviously for a few months there it was it was all shut down and my first show back was literally in a parking lot <laughs> where they had a couple of heated tents and behind the the stage that they set up was the drive through of a bank <laughs> <laughs> i mean it was at night people weren't pulling up you know making withdrawals or whatever but <laughs> and you just found like God, those were the easiest shows to do because people were just so dying for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like you could right. even like be rusty and flub a joke. And I go, look, can I just go back about 10 seconds and take another run at that punchline? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and then you no. do it and you get it. You get like applause break and stuff. People are it just, it just goes to show how much comedy's not really a, a luxury. I mean, you can live without it, but it's not much of a life if you're not, going out and laughing and making fun of stuff and um i'm thrilled to be able to do it for whatever 32 years and counting wow yeah that's awesome yeah that's awesome that's uh when you're at skippy's and if you see a a little short guy named rob walk in uh make sure there's a jesus you don't he'll he'll have a he'll have a name tag hello my name is rob he'll he'll make sure you know it's him make sure you don't let him in yeah he's 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 not going to be good at the show i guarantee it i am of age i'm of age i can go into the building (laughs) he just looks like he's not from like a distance because you know i'll be carrying my telephone book they're not good for anything anymore so go ahead and block these guys because you know you you get the kind of online bullying that we're all supposed to be against it's terrible you can see the things he says in the dms to us this is purely justified (laughs) all right but you just qualified by by being able to laugh about this you've now disqualified yourself from full-time employment as a boston media member Uh, (laughs) you're just gonna look at joe and matt like they're a couple of like you know Oh no, they're, they're, they're my brand managers. You and how dare they impugn? You how dare they? <laughs> that's what that's what he's thinking all the time. I guarantee it, Jerry. Yeah, we'll hear oh, about my this later. The we'll slander, the slander. We'll hear about this later. <laughs> they're they're brand managers, a part of this brand, and now all of a sudden they're not important to me. Jeez, I wouldn't put yeah. you in that position. You weren't important to me. Our britches got a little too big, I guess. You know. <laughs> Can I tell a quick anecdote about this kind of online like? tough guys and whatever I, I would I, I used to send me to do you know these appearances like hey we need you to hang out for the first half of a Patriots game give stuff away and I'm like yeah sure like oh I hang out in a in a bar and they feed me drinks while I talk to people sure I, I can handle that um and one time someone was on Twitter tweeting me that they're there at this place oh, and gosh. they're across the room and he's going to come punch my lights out oh like God. a direct threat. I'm like, okay, what is that? And now I'm talking to the, to the old the sales women that are there handing stuff out away. And I'm looking around for this guy, just curious, never heard from him. So I just uh, tech with it. He described himself to me and what he was wearing. Like it really got specific. <laughs> and then at one point, like I'm just watching the game and there's someone standing off to my side. And it, it was this guy. And fellas, he could not have hurt a goldfish in a bowl. Like he just <laughs> thick glasses. I think it was what my uh, the Irish Rose would call on the spectrum. I think we're all on the spectrum somewhere. But like he right. seriously was like autistic, <laughs> just some personal, you know, psychological problems. 
and he was the one who was threatening me. He never said a word to me. And I just was like, that's it in his the, mind. Those are the threats you get online. You know, no, I, yeah. yeah, some people may put on them. They're just, it's just road rage. Like you're a thing. You're not a person. I'm going to scream at you in a way that I just never would. Like if we were looking at each other face to face. So that's, that's Twitter for you. That's Facebook. That's being in the, in the public eye and, Bring it on. We're all insane. Yep. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Yeah, you see that. I mean, you'll you'll see that all the time, whether it's, you know, sports media or whether it's like actual sports. Guys will be real tough on the internet. And then, you know, when they're playing against each other, it's, you know, oh, how you doing, man? You know, shaking hands. It's like, come on, man. You can't be <laughs> like, if you're going to talk like that, you better do it, you know? So, yeah. Um, about it. That threat I made, direct and specific, that I was going to punch you <laughs> like, but oh, I was. It's all banter. It's all banter. Right. I'm wearing green yeah. boxers. <laughs> not briefs. Yeah. yeah. Don't mistake yeah. it. Yeah. Wow. They're all just ones and zeros, oh, you know, yeah. and nobody gives a, a crap what, what you're doing or what you're saying. And I, I mean, people hate me for my Patriots take. So they say I'm too much of a Homer. All that does is means that you've, you know, read my resume, you know, like if it was going <laughs> to be on my business card, I'd say I'm a Patriots Homer here. Here you go. Yeah. With something else. If you need one, right. you want to hire one for a party. Here's, here's my email. Yeah, uh, and also Amen. my going rate per hour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. Yeah, this is going to cost you some money. You want me to show up being what I'm going to be, man. <laughs> no doubt worry, about I'm it. A homer. No doubt I'm about it. The homer here too. Yeah. Well, listen. You know, I'm guessing, Joe, if I can go way out on a limb, that you're kind of partial to the Cubs. Uh, yeah. I I basically I balance my sports teams with I, teams that win a lot. So I'm like you know I'm a Bruins, Celtics, Patriots fan, but I'm also a, a Purdue Boilermaker fan and a Cubs fan because I like to be able to say, well, you know, yeah, I have some teams that win all the time, but I also know what it is like to lose. So I'm a very balanced human being, you know. So when people come in, it's like, oh, how'd you like that loss? It's like you know, uh, well, I'm kind of used to it. Uh, it took right. us 108 years to win a championship, <laughs> so I know what mediocrity is. <laughs> yeah, you see, that's why I am the way I am. And by the way, my favorite non-Red Sox team has always been the Cubs. You know, oh, lovable um, losers, man. You gotta love the Cubs. It really feels gorgeous. Oh yeah, one of the most fun days I've ever had. Even though it like it it rained three times and yeah. they canceled it <laughs> in the fifth inning, but I still had a blast. I'll never forget walking into the bleachers, and this was like a bucket list thing. And there were four guys as we walked up with. 45 minutes before the opening pitch, we walked in and four guys wearing these matching t-shirts of this beautifully rendered, like kind of a, like a, a Baroque, like painting, like a medieval painting almost of Mike Ditka. With yeah. like the sun setting and the clouds behind him. And everything. <laughs> the bears. You got to get here early to get seats. First come, first serve in the, in the Wrigley bleachers, pal. And I oh, look yeah. around and it's just the stands are maybe one third full. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I guess this is what life is like here. But, oh. but my, my point being that I, the, the reason I wrote the first book about the Patriots was for like my kids or anybody who grew up in this era who thinks that, you know, they win all the time and Lombardi trophies pop up out of the ground like like summer corn and that it's all been like smooth sailing or that we're all just a bunch of like bandwagon jumper fans. They were the worst thing you can be in American culture. They were irrelevant. Nobody cared. The games were blacked out if they weren't at home. They're the worst stadium in the in the in the world. 
you know, they when they were on TV, it was the one o'clock game, you know, yeah. lucky to get it. <laughs> like now. And they were always threatening to move. So, yeah, the fact that they're as good as they are now is, you know, and, and as popular as they are now, hyper relevant really is, um, you know, is a testament partly to just how bad they were for my formative years. And for whatever reason, I glommed on to them like they they just made this imprint on me and I like like a dog that followed me home from school, you know, there's yeah. like three legs and two different colored eyes. And mange, <laughs> mange clearly covered in motor oil, like not having a good life, but you're yeah. like, I love you so much. <laughs> For sure. And like the, when I was a kid, just as I really made the Patriots, like my, my thing that I was super into, they lost, they went to the playoffs and they lost this game to the Raiders. Look it up. It's the roughing the passer game one of the most heartbreaking losses in the world total bag job like there are patriots players who think the referees were out to get them there were so many bad calls that went against them that was if if i'm bruce wayne that was my parents being killed in an alley oh jesus <laughs> like that would turn me into the dark brooding superhero that i am and if i'm a little <laughs> overly protective of this franchise it's because yeah, well, they went to the AFC Championship game and lost, and you're saying what a disaster was. I was 22 years old by the time they won a playoff game in my life. By the time my oldest son was 22, he'd watched them win six Super Bowls. So you'll pardon me if I'm grading them on a different curve than, say, the guys on the sports hub in Boston or whatever. Yeah, that's what I tell these guys all the time. Like I, I, I was, I became a Patriots fan in the early '90s, and like oh, I, was I. Telling, I think I had this, uh, this comment with Matt the other day. I was like, yeah, I remember that when they had five wins in a season, man. Like I've seen them not be good. All right, like I remember, like Troy Brown is one of my favorite players. Kevin Falk, you know, I love these guys. I grew up watching these guys struggle, and when I, I, I remember watching the '96 Super Bowl, and I was like, this is it. I'm gonna see it. And then Brett Favre has like the one, you know, crowning achievement. Like every Packers quarterback, they only get one. You get one Super Bowl, and then you're just, you know, shit the rest of the time when it comes to the playoffs and everything like that. But Brett Favre shows up, and then we go through this whole like thing again. And I'm, oh well, here we go, just waiting. And then Tom Brady, like you said, the savior. And so I always, and I have, I'm unfortunate because I have to deal with these people who are like, oh, you're a bandwagon fan. You're just there for the Super Bowl. So it's like, I've been a fan and I have to like tell them. You're the Bledsoe. Yeah. I'd be like, I was, Bledsoe was taking snaps. I'm like, oh, so 2000? No. Like 93. <laughs> I was four. Yeah. This myth that the world just began for Pats fans when they beat the Rams in, in 2001, it's just such a myth. Oh. The, so much the team was always threatening to move which was sort of had a dampening effect on people's enthusiasm as you can well imagine because the the family that founded the team went bankrupt for a lot of reasons it, it, it's all in from darkness the dynasty including how the owner's son financed a reunion tour of the jackson five and this is michael jackson post thriller when he was the biggest individual pop star in the world he financed that and went bankrupt he went bankrupt financing a michael jackson concert tour getting back together with his brothers so they lost everything in that so they were always broke they were always threatened to move and then when mr Kraft and i like i never not don't call him mr Kraft because it drives boston 
uh, media people crazy. I just call him by his name because I don't deserve <laughs> to call him by his first no, name. That man is a pal. That's, that anyway. is a patron saint of New England Patriots fans, right there. He, the Mister in front of his name, should only be replaced by the patron patron saint of Patriots football, Mister Kraft. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I will just add the caveat that I've gotten permission to call him RKK, but I don't want to lord that over you guys. Oh. I feel the weight of it, though. You know, I feel the weight of it when you say it. I use it. need to come down a few levels here. I use it judiciously, you know. I'm like a... Yeah, me too. Me too. I got the same thing. Me and him are real close. Yeah, it's it's like having the nuclear codes. You know what I mean? I don't want to just go around spewing that in some bar to impress somebody, you know. But um, when he bought the team... They had the largest uh, season ticket sales in the history of the franchise in one day. And then the place sold out. There hasn't been an empty seat in either of the two stadiums since he bought the team back in 1994. So anybody that wants to try and spew this fiction that suddenly Patriots fans started paying attention. You know, football was number one in this city long before the, the banner started falling out of Gillette because it's the number one sport everywhere. Yeah. Like even back in the nineties, they'd have like an August, you know, preseason game. The Red Sox would be in a pennant rush, you know, a, a, a pennant race against the Yankees on the opposite channel. And they would draw like four times the audience from meaningless preseason games. So yeah, yeah. I saved the receipts on that. Don't be, don't be trying to, <laughs> pass us off as a I love of, this yeah. no doubt well it's it's like you said it's crazy how how much bigger you know the sport of football is in America than everything else you know the the just looking at the Super Bowl numbers compared to whether it be the final four numbers or the NBA finals numbers or the you know World Series numbers it's night and day you know he's not the biggest strongest guy but I think his talent is just is just too too extreme plus I think I think he's got better 